an ultimatum, right? When this is when somebody says, "This is the only way it's going to go, or else, I'm leaving." We continue our prayer series in this of this year, and uh, the prayer series title is "We've Got to Pray," and we've had our mini series of how to pray, as Jesus has shown us. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 15. Please turn your Bibles over there or your Bible apps. Type it in. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 15. My scripture, uh, it, it reads here, Our Father in heaven, holy be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Let's say another word of prayer, and then we'll get to our message. Father, we thank you again for this time that you've blessed us with. Now that we're going to study your word, we pray for your Holy Spirit to open our hearts and open, open our minds in order for us to understand you and receive your message for us and in our lives. We pray for humility. And we pray for willingness to obey you. And may we respond in love, Lord God, and obey you, however it is and whatever it is that you want us to do for you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So if you have been with us, um, you know that we have been studying the model prayer, the blueprint that Jesus have, has shown us. And um, just a quick recap uh, we've already tackled verse 9 when we discussed the Our Father. And then um, the second part is reverence, we, about the holiness of God. So tonight we're going to be studying verse 10, which is the desire for God's kingdom and His will. And then we're, the next ones will be petition and personal and spiritual needs, and then protection from temptation. So a recap will help, especially for, for our guest here. Um, next slide. It's not moving. Worship, our Father. Um, knowing that our Father, the creator of all things, He's powerful. And, uh, His power should give our prayer time a lot more significance because we have the most powerful being on the line for us. And He has gifted us the prayer. So when we pray, as, as Jesus has designed it, we have to have that in mind, that it's our Father, the most powerful being, has lowered Himself down for us to be able to call Him Father. And that's because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for those of us who have surrendered our lives to Him. And in the second part of the blueprint is reverence. We were told of His location, that He is in heaven, and that we have to make sure that we are treating Him in a holy manner, in reverence about His holiness. His zip code is in heaven, and His name is holy. Um, structuring our prayer after realizing that God is our Father is to realize and take it to heart that we are speaking to someone truly wise and beyond our comprehension. God's name is holy. Again, same with the Holy Spirit. It's holy. It's, it's to be revered upon. 
Under His holiness reveals His all-knowing knowledge, His sovereignty, and His pure holy and His pure power. So we have to approach prayer in, that, in a different mindset, not just loosely or arrogantly approaching the throne of God. Yes, we were told to boldly come to Him, but we are to revere Him and treat Him as holy. Third part now, that's what we're going to be discussing tonight, is desire for God's kingdom and His will. That's verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's one thought, really. It's all connected to one another. But I'd like to go unpack it one at a time in order for us to truly have it. Uh, So the first part there is God's kingdom to come. Now, if you're thinking about prayer... What does this have to do with prayer? Because most of us, if not all of us, we've learned about prayer, about just asking God about what we need, right? And for some of us, unfortunately, we only do come to God in prayer when we're already in deep trouble. So again, it's about asking for help. It's about asking. We've connected prayer with asking, We've connected prayer with need of help, need of rescue. Well, Jesus, when he was asked, how do we teach us how to pray? And he's shown us the model prayer. That's not the prayer to recite, right? We've tackled that in the first part. But we are told to have this mentality, to have this structure, God's kingdom. So what does that mean? What did Jesus mean When he told us we have to construct our prayer in this manner, God's kingdom to come. So what's going on in heaven, number one? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's going on in heaven, do you think? Now, if if some of you are like me, we're trapped into that notion of angels flying with clouds and people playing harp. Or the, the song, the, the, the worldly song, In heaven there is no beer. That's why we drink it here, right? Uh, basically saying that in heaven it's going to be boring, so you might as well party here. Because in heaven we're all just going to be doing Bible studies and church, Bible studies and church, Bible study and church. That's why some of the Christians says, I'm not going to go to church here, I'll just go to church in heaven. <laughs> We have this thing that king, the, in heaven is just plain boring. Or if it's not boring, it's, it's, it's all white. It's probably right, right? It's bright because of God's holiness. But what is going on in heaven? You know what's going on in heaven? Is God being exalted. That's what's going on in heaven. And Jesus Christ is worshipped. That's the other thing that's going on in heaven. And the other thing that's going on in heaven is Holiness dominates the place. There is no evil in heaven. No more evil. No more rapists. No more rape victims. No more drug dealers. No more drug users. No more depression. No more adultery. No more cheating. No more lying. You know, a pastor said, before before he ended his preaching, he said, next week I'm going to be preaching about the message about lying. And I'm going to be taking it from Mark 17, chapter 17. 
And everybody said, sure. The next Sunday comes and he goes, all right, who of you read Mark 17? Everybody raised their hands. And he goes, all right, guys. Mark only goes up to 16th chapter. So now I'm going to start about lying. We're going to start about lying. So in heaven, there's no lying. There's no lying there. No more evil, only holiness. That is what God wants us to think about when we're in prayer. So again, the first two points that we've tackled, God told us to think of God as our Father. That He is willing and able and wanting to come to our aid, to come to our need, like our, our, our earthly Father, but better to be there for us, to comfort us, to, to, to keep us company in our times of loneliness. That's Him. He wants us to think of that while we're praying. That's why when we say, Lord, Father, I need you, it's real. It should be real. Your heart and your mind and your spirit should be going there. That's the structure, right? And then you realize, you think about where He is. He's in heaven. But He, was, he is in heaven, but He lowered Himself down here so that He can be with us and we can be with Him. And then he reminds us of his holiness. So we have to watch what we say because he's a holy father. Yes, he's willing to give us what we want and need, but he's holy. So he needs to be connected with his holiness. Whatever it is that we're asking for from him must be connected with what his nature is. And now he's saying that we are to pray his kingdom come. Now there's... So that again, in heaven, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So holiness, let your holiness come to this earth. Our prayer should be about that, about asking God to bring holiness here on earth. Asking God to be exalted here on on earth. Asking God that Christ will be worshipped here on earth. Now some Bible commentators have Concluded, and I agree, uh, that they said that it, the, the kingdom come, is, is, does, it's not in the sense to make it come into existence. Um, but for me, I, I, I think it's, it's them saying that it's not necessarily for it to appear here and now. But here's another verse where the kingdom come was mentioned in Matthew 3, 2. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, the kingdom of God... Heaven in the preaching of Jesus as recounted in the Gospels is the reign of God that He brings about through Jesus Christ. What this means is that we Christians, the believers of the resurrected Lord, must have God's rule permanently in our hearts. So when we come into prayer, we are to realize that we must be dominated by the wants and the will and the rules and the laws of God in our hearts. You see, with all these three points, it removes what you think of what prayer is, doesn't it? Prayer is worshiping God. Prayer is coming to Him, speaking to Him, yes. And it's realizing that we're asking, we're asking Him, Lord, please come, let you dominate this world. And as we say this, as we realize all these things, we are then put in a spot where we realize that we are, are fallen creatures. The more we know of God, the more fallen we realize of ourselves. 
There is no way that you can get close to God and think, oh, I'm so holy. No, the more you get close to God, the more you're going to realize, oh, not really, really evil. You know, um, I don't think I'm a good basketball player. But there are times when I think I'm better when I play with some guys who are not as good as me. But then when I'm right next to a UNR player, I already know that there's no way I can hold a candle right next to that guy. So same with the holiness of God. The more we get nearer to him, the more we realize that we are not holy. The more we think of God in our prayer, the more we think of God that He is in heaven, the more we think of God that He is holy, and then we say, Your kingdom come, the more we realize that this world is evil. And that should not say, Well, Lord, judge them now. No, it shouldn't bring it that way, because God said here, Come, Lord, come. Jesus is telling us to, in our prayer, we are to ask God to come now. Come, Lord, dominate this world to become holy. Let your will be done here on earth as it is there in heaven. There are there's so many lies in this world right now. And as Christians... When we, when we come to prayer and we're told to, to, to think and to have the mentality that, Lord, let your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So what does that mean, church? As you're in prayer, you are realizing how evil this world is. There should be no Christian that agrees to the multiple genders that this world tells us. I don't care how, think, progress, how progressive you think you are. You're wrong based on what the Bible says. So we cannot, there's no way that we can agree that there are more than male and female. That's just one of the many things that, that, that this world has, has, uh, has been spreading, the lies that it's been spreading. The sexuality in, in our culture, it's so sexual. And God created sex. But it is only to be enjoyed within the confines of marriage. But this world has told that there's no need for marriage. It's just a piece of paper. So we are not to believe that, that, that lie. And then how they make fun of parents now. Oh, it's been a while. The dishonoring of parents. But here... They knew it. God knew it. The, the disciples were told to write it down. Paul wrote it down in 2 Timothy 3, 1-5. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of ple- pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Now, Jesus, in His blueprint of how we are to pray, He's making us think of this while we say, while we are... Because this, you're going to be thinking about this as you realize the need of heaven to come down. 
That's the opposite of it. There's no way that we are to just accept for the world for what it is. Us, us Christians, the Holy Spirit is in us and the Holy Spirit should be infuriated in you when you think and see these things. I know it's tough. It's tough. It's so difficult. Because once you disagree with someone, with the popular belief, it makes us automatically unpopular, unliked, bigot. I don't know why it's always about racism. When you, when you disagree with them, it's a quick card. Oh, you're a racist, you're a bigot, you're an idiot. It's, I don't understand. But you know what? What we have to understand is God brings us to this point when we're praying. So did you, did you even think of it one minute or one second that in your prayer you are to focus on the world? Because my, mind you, for the longest time when I come to prayer, I always think about my needs, my wants, my hurt, my pain. It's it's rarely, it rarely goes away from me when I come to prayer. It's all about my, my, my thing. Now God tells us to have the world in mind. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's his blueprint. That's what Jesus told us on how to construct our prayers. His people should be praying after realizing that He is our Father, that He longs for, for us to trust Him as we would our fathers here, but then makes us understand that He is way above and more powerful than any being, and then tells us to pray for His purpose, His purposes, His purposes and His ways as we realize the evil that exists in this world. You know, at times, we think we're never the victims of these things because we're just going to shelter ourselves properly and we will never be victims of this evil. Seriously? You really think that? Because all of us right now, we're suffering from policies from evil people. Well, he's getting political. <laughs> I am. Because the policies that is affected is, comes from the politics, Right? And what does the verse says? For all these things are being controlled, the principalities and the powers of this world, and who runs that? Satan and his cronies. So if you think you're, 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 you're protected, maybe for a minute, but when evil runs this world, you could be a victim of somebody that will just rob the convenience store while you're buying your Gatorade. If people think that their sin only affects themselves or the people, the poor people, or the people in California, or people that go to convenience stores, <laughs> we were dead wrong. Because this world is evil, it can, it can really easily leak and make us fall prey to them, or even our children. If you don't have any children right now, if, 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 the, if the evil doesn't stop, you will have children and grandchildren that will be suffering through this evil. Now, whenever we look at God, we see ourselves as evil and unworthy. And God's making us realize this when we're praying. 
He wants us to realize this. When we say your kingdom come, we naturally see the evil of this world versus the original purpose of God for this world before the fall. Your kingdom come refers both to God's spiritual reign in the lives of individuals and His coming rule over all creation. That's what it means. We're saying, come now, Lord Jesus, come now. Don't be selfish and say, not yet, Lord, let me wait for my retirement. No, you say, come now, Lord, come now. There are people that have been brought out through those borders that are, are kidnapped, were kidnapped, children that were kidnapped. Now they're going to be brought into this, uh, sex, sex trade and they're going to fall into that. They're going to get hurt really bad. We might not be suffering it firsthand, but there are people that are truly suffering there. So when we're in prayer, we pray for them. We pray, Lord, come, come now. Let your kingdom come. There should be nothing in our hearts that should agree with this world. Nothing. Not one. We are strangers. We are green card holders, if I may. We're not permanent here. We're transients. We're foreigners of this world because this is not our home. So we are to always pray, Lord, come. Let your will be done. Remember, he told us to be prayerful. And if we follow his blueprint, he is making us aware to ask for evil to end. He's asking us for evil to end. Ask him. We are to look away from ourselves only. And look at him and ask for his kingdom to affect this world and others. Remember in Matthew 21, 13, it reads, Jesus said, it is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer. But you are making it a den of robbers. Uh, I, I guess I didn't have it there. Matthew 21, 13. My house will be called a house of prayer. So Christians, as you come into prayer, after realizing who your father is, how powerful he is, how holy he is, he asked us, he told us actually, on how we should be praying, is that to think of the evil of this world and ask him to bring his will to be done here on earth. And how do we do that? By prayer. And then we're given the responsibility to live our lives as a good testimony so that we can bring people to Christ as well as we share the gospel. We do this first and foremost in prayer. In prayer. Now the second part, your will be done. Now according to Pastor John Corson, there are only two types of people. Those who are in harmony with God's purpose saying, Thy will be done. And those who live for themselves saying, my will be done. And Riza says, my will is my love. <laughs> my will be done. <laughs> In Psalm 46.10 it reads, he says, God says, be still and know that I am God. Do you know that God is fair? Amen. You think he's fair? I think so. 
If we keep saying, my way or the highway, Lord, my will be done, Lord, you know, eventually God will say, okay, I will let you have your will. And what does it usually, what, how does that usually end? Not, not good, not good. Here's an illustration in Isaiah 38.1. Do you guys know of um, the King Hezekiah? Hezekiah? In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, uh, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die. And you will not recover. And then, well, there you go. I mean, imagine getting that news. What will your prayer request be next Wednesday? <laughs> hey guys, uh, is it going to be like him? He says, Hezekiah turned toward the, toward the wall and prayed, Don't forget that I have been faithful to you. Nanumbat. All right. Lord, I have obeyed with you with all my heart, and I do whatever you say is right. After this, he cried hard. You know, the original language says that he kept muttering like a bird. He kept saying, keep me alive. Don't let me die. Don't let me die. Don't let me die. And then here, Hezekiah lived 15 more years in verse 5. But it was the most tragic years of his life. During that 15 years, Hezekiah set the stage for the Babylonian invasion. And he fathered a son named Manasseh, who grew up to be the most wicked king in the history of Israel. So you watch what you ask for. We have to really consider that God knows better than us, way, way more than us. When we keep forcing things, when it's clear that it's a command, do not yoke with unbelievers. And what do we say? Oh, Lord, but she can be a Christian, Lord. I just need to share the gospel, Lord. Bring her on Wednesday, Lord, and again on Thursday, and again on Friday, and bring it to the Wednesday group again, so that she can be a Christian. I can marry her, Lord. I can do this, Lord. Just make it happen, Lord. And she gets pregnant. And you think you're going to make it right by getting married because, you know, you're thinking marriage is the one thing that God says, okay, it's a pass. You can yoke with an unbeliever for so long as you're married. Wrong. Wrong. There's no marriage makes anything right when it comes to yoking with an unbeliever. That doesn't make it right. See, sometimes we force things. We tell God, we know better, Lord. This has to be my way. We never say, my way or the highway, Lord. We just say, Lord, this is your last chance. <laughs> if you don't make him a Christian, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> we never say it that way, but we act that way. We say, Lord, I want to serve you, Lord. I want to serve you. I want to be used by you. And then your work offers you a race if you work on Sundays. $5 race. And then you say, Lord, let Pastor Joe open a morning service on Sunday. <laughs> See, guys, when you speak to the holy God and the all-knowing God, 
we have to be open to hear him too. And when he answers us opposite of what we're asking from him, we have to heed. We have to submit. We have to trust. Be still and know that I am God. That's what he says. A lot of our mistakes and our hurts and our pains come and came from our own doing. From our sin. Because we did not obey Him. We did not want to obey Him. We knew about it, then we watered it down, we justified it, and then it became normalized. And then we suffer. Now we're suffering. And then we say, if God is good, why is He letting this happen? He is good. He is disciplining you in order for you to come back to Him. That's, how, that's what a good parent is, isn't it? It's not the parent that, that spoils their children. You know, if Alonzo had his way when he was younger, he would eat chocolate all day long. But of course, his grandma was there and he, she gave him chocolate in the morning. <laughs> but that's not good for kids, right? Just to give them chocolate the whole day? No, there's, there has to be discipline. There has to be no. You say, no, it's not good for you. You eat something else. And that's the same with our holy God. When God answers us, no, trust me, you don't need to go into that bad deal. You don't need that transaction. You don't need that person. You don't need to get into that bad relationship. No, you don't need sex. What you need is God. Remember the woman in the well? The woman in the well wanted love from, from, from men. And she wanted affirmation. She wanted to be accepted. And she went through how many marriages already? And then at that point, when she met, finally met Jesus, she wasn't even married anymore. She was now living in sin. And what did God tell her? If you drink from me, we will never be thirsty. If you accept me and make me the priority of your life, you will need nothing else and no one else. And then when, what did God, how did God end that conversation? Did he say, all right, go back to your boyfriend and then go to church on Sunday. Make sure you give your tights. <laughs> no. He <laughs> didn't say that. God said, go and leave your life of sin. See, Christians, we accepted Christ. We accepted his gift. We accepted his gift of salvation and grace. And we were told to stop that. We're done with that. See, when, when we're in prayer, God reminds us all of these things. He's telling us that you're, let His will be done. As we have prayed and recognized who He is, His holiness, His power, His majesty, and we're told to think about the evil of this world and ask God to come and rescue us from this evil. And now He's saying to just surrender. Surrender to Him. Let his will be done. Remember Jesus when he said, Father, my Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Not my will be done, but your will be done. Church, we know that if Jesus did not surrender to the will of the Father, we will all still be dead in our sins. Amen? 
Because the only way for that our sins be forgiven was through the sacrifice and the suffering that Jesus was going to go through or went through in the cross. Jesus knew that. He was very much aware of it. But what did he say? Yet not my will, but let your will be done. In our prayer life, we are told, we are told that we are to construct, to construct and structure our prayer in a way that we are to know that God is our Father, that He is in heaven, that He is powerful, that He is holy, that we are to ask Him to come, let His kingdom come in this evil world. We are reminded that this, e- this world is evil, and we are told to surrender to His will, whatever it may be, how because sometimes when we're in prayer, right, there is something that we're constantly insisting. Mm-hmm. You know, because I can't blame you. I do the same thing. My, my sight is, is limited. Mm-hmm. When I'm in pain, that's the only thing I can think of. I'm in pain. I need Advil right now. But God knows better. The doctors know better why pimples come and happen. Why migraines happen. But we just feel the pain. God knows why these things are happening in our lives and what's good for us and what's not good for us. God knows which prayer is to be answered and which ones are not to be answered. And we are constantly asked to just trust Him and surrender our prayers, our lives over to Him. Amen? Amen. That is our message tonight, folks. Thank you very much for your patience. As the music team make their way up here, if you have any decisions you want to make this evening, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord for the first time, please come up so we can lead you into that prayer. Or if you've been visiting us for quite some time and God has revealed it in your heart that you want to become a part of this church, please come up so we can recognize you. Or if you just need prayer, something in the message struck you and reminded you of a prayer of a need of, of in your life, and you want us to pray for you, please come up so we can pray for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your message that you've given to us this evening. We know that you are sovereign, we know that you are all-knowing, we know that you are powerful. We know that you, the things that we need, you already knew it before we even asked it. So Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters now in this building. They came here, Lord God, because they are, are they're praising you. They're worshiping you. They're in love with you. And I'm sure, Lord God, they're in need of something from you. I pray for them. Please respond to their prayers. Please meet their needs, Lord God. Whether it's loneliness, whether it's it's financial help, whether it's a relationship that's broken, I pray for them, Lord God. Please come to their aid. Father, we don't know what your perfect will is for our lives, but we just we just know that you asked and told us to ask. So we're asking. But at the same time, as you've revealed to us tonight, we know that we can trust you for your holy for you are all-knowing and that you are powerful. 
So as we ask all these things over to you, Father God, we trust in you. Let it not be our will, but let your will be done. I pray for protection and guidance for everyone, Lord God. May we glorify you in our lives. May our prayer lives be the way you actually want us to have it. A prayer that is worshiping you and is constantly relying on you and is actually also praying for others other than just ourselves. We ask all these things in your Son's sweet and mighty name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all the Lord's people said, Amen, Amen. Let's all rise for the closing song.